Good morning, Central Church. How's everyone today? Great. What a privilege to be here with you all this morning. If you're watching us online, uh, whether that's our Facebook Live page or our website, we're glad you're joining us. If you're out in the concourse, sitting on couches or at tables, God bless you. We're glad you're joining us this morning. Uh, great to see you this morning. If you have a Bible this morning, please take it out, whether you're online or here live, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We are continuing our extraordinary series. It's a study in Christ's Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew's chap- Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. As, as we begin the teaching, let's open with prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit, and we need you. We need you to open our eyes and our, our minds to understand truth, and we pray that you would do that this morning, Lord, that, Lord, that you would give us the, the inspiration, the the divine enabling that we need to pursue you with our whole heart and to seek you with all of our strength, God. So help us to do that this morning in Jesus' name, amen. The Sermon on the Mount, I, I began by saying a couple of weeks ago that I think it's like a painting that Jesus painted, and we have a canvas up here, and uh, it's, a, it, it's Jesus explaining and painting in the Sermon on the Mount what a disciple, what a true disciple or follower of Jesus looks like. In fact, it's, it's even more than that. It's, it's what does extraordinary character look like? And that's what we want to talk about here in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and today, as we continue in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going to introduce us to a concept called meekness. Meekness. Uh, meekness isn't something that you become. Uh, you're not either meek or not meek. Um, you, you grow in meekness. And meekness is completely contrary to human nature and human culture. Uh, uh, Meekness is, is, it fights, uh, our flesh fights against meekness. It's it's totally foreign to us. It would be like trying to completely change your personality on your own. And that's why this concept of meekness is a, it's a work of God's spirit. It's not something that we can produce on our own, but it, it, it rubs against everything we've been taught and everything we, we think is right in life. So when, when I was um, an associate pastor in Southern California before I came here to Central 12 years ago, on Friday mornings, we had a ministry to the homeless. And one of the guys in the church would, would cook a meal and the men and women that, that were homeless would come and, and we'd feed them and give them some supplies and things like that. And I was off on Fridays, but I just loved that community. I loved getting up early in the morning and coming and just, just hanging out with them. And around that time, I had broken the handle on my, the driver's side door of my uh, Toyota Camry. And I went to the dealer. Dealer said $400 to get it fixed. I'm like, seriously? It's a door handle, like $400 just to put a new, a new handle on the door. So I was having breakfast with uh, my homeless friends one Friday morning. I, was just, I said, can you believe that? Like $400, like what do you have to do to put a door handle on? And this one guy just lit up. He goes, pastor, that's what I do. I said, what do you do? He goes, I fix cars. That's what I, I can fix this for you. And on, I'm just being honest with you. I'm thinking in my mind, do I want him to fix my car? <laughs> no, I'm just being honest. Like not in a kind of just like, Oh, and so I said, why don't, you, why don't you see if you can find the part? Just see if you can find a used part. <clears throat> so he and one of the other guys went to a pick-a-part place where you, know, you go with old you know, junker cars and pull parts off of them. And, and so a few days later, I pulled into the church parking lot, and there the two of them were, and he's waving me down and pulling me over to his car. 
And so I go over there and I get out of the car and I said, hey, what's happening? He goes, he goes, hey, I got good news and bad news. Not what you want to hear, right? So I said, what's the good news? And he opens up his trunk and he says, the good news is we found your part. We got the handle. And he pulls it out. It was the wrong color, but it was, it was the right handle. It was like a black handle for a gray car. You know. But that's okay. And I said, well, what's the bad news? And he elbows his friend. He goes, you tell him. And so he goes, he goes I said, well, what, what happened? He said, well, we went to the, to the shop. We went to the store. And we, we went, went way in the back. And we found a car. And, and we, they had the part. We pulled it off. He said, then we're, we're walking back into the, into the store. And he kind of pauses. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I, I tucked it into my coat and I stole it. I said, I said you stole it for your pastor. That's like the worst sin in the world. I'm going to get thrown in jail because they're going to think that I tried to get you to steal that part. I said, how much did it cost? He said, $7.50. I said, you don't think I'm good for $7.50? Like, I would have paid for it. What, 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 why did you steal it? And he looked down with incredible shame. And he said, Pastor, old habits are hard to break. Indeed. Old habits are hard to break. And for my homeless friend who found that stealing was a means of survival, that habit was hard to break. And for you and I as Christians to develop this thing called meekness, it's hard for us to break the habit of pride in our life. That's what we're going to talk about today in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says, one day Jesus saw the crowds that were gathering around him, thousands of people, and he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him and Jesus began to teach them. The Sermon on the Mount is for disciples. It's not for the multitudes. It's not for those that, that have not yet committed their life to Christ. If you're here this morning and you've not yet committed your life to Christ, there's, there's no way we can expect you to fulfill these teachings. The, these are teachings for disciples who've received the Holy Spirit of God and have the power therein to fulfill the expectations. In verse 3, he said to them, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him or the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth, or meek. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace. They will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what's right or for righteousness' sake. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. In fact, be very glad for a great reward awaits you in, in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 11 comprises a section of scripture called the Beatitudes. And every beatitude is structured exactly the same way. It begins with this phrase, blessed are, or God blesses those who. 
It's followed by a quality of character, and that, that quality of character is followed by a reward for that quality of character. Statement, blessed are, quality of character, reward for the character. And we're just going to talk about one more beatitude this morning, and it's found in verse 5, and it's this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus was meek. Uh, People often uh, confuse meekness with weakness. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, take my, in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke or my teachings upon you. Um, for, for I am meek, gentle, and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. Jesus was meek. He said, take my, take my yoke, take my teachings upon you, for I am gentle or meek and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus was not weak. Jesus was the most powerful individual that ever walked the face of the earth. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness gives us power. Meekness gives us the power to die to pride. Meekness gives us the power to overcome our sinful nature. And Jesus wants us to follow him and to walk in meekness. But our sinful nature wants us to walk in pride. That's why we have this battle going on, because meekness goes against everything we've been taught and everything that's within our nature. It's like counterintuitive to life. So Jesus wants us to follow him in meekness, but our sinful nature wants to lead us into several things. Let me mention some of those this morning. Our sinful nature wants to lead us to boast about our accomplishments, to boast about our accomplishments. To tell other people how great we are, to promote ourselves, to exalt ourselves, to push ourselves to the front, to draw attention to us. That's what the sinful nature wants to do. When Shirlene and I were in Italy this summer touring the area, there was a couple things we noticed. One is that they don't really have much social order. And what I mean by that is like the roads are chaotic. Like they, they, it's like there's no rules. Like it's kind of every man for himself and really the only rule is get there as fast as you can and with whatever it takes to get there. It's just chaotic, the, the zipping in and out, scooters, cars, everything. And we noticed that when we, when we got on planes or, or, or trains or buses or when we got off of boats, there was no sense of, of order and being in a line. Like it didn't matter if you got there first and you were at the front of the line when that door opened, people just pushed and shoved and went in front of you and cut, cut you off. And like, I'm not used to that here. People, for the most part, honor lines. Like, like think about a grocery store for a minute. You're at the front of the line, you're next, and four people push their carts in front of you. You're going to be like, dude, what's up with that? And it's kind of like that, that, that attitude of I'm, I'm a bigger deal than you are. I'm, I'm more important than you are. So, so therefore, I need to go first. I need to go before you. And as I, as I thought about that and thought about this issue of meekness, I thought, how often do I do, do that with people? How often do I do that in relationships and in conversations? How often do I, in a conversation with somebody, um, communicate by my words or by my attitudes, I'm a bigger deal than you. Like, I'm more important than you. And so therefore, I, I, I know that we're talking about you right now, but, but let's talk about me. 
I, I know that you've got a problem, but, but let me fix that problem because I'm really smart and I'm a I'm pretty, pretty, pretty big deal. So I just thought about like, like how often do I do that in, in conversations with people? You know, push to the front of the line and promote myself. You, you know, I think we need to be really careful about social media and what we post on social media. Sometimes social media, as I look at it, it seems like it can become just a platform for boasting, a platform to exalt ourselves, a platform to draw attention to ourselves. So it made me think this week, if Jesus lived in the era of social media, what would he post? What would be on his Instagram page? What would be on his Facebook page? Like, would he, would he take a selfie in, in front of the empty tomb and be like, rose in three days. <laughs> like, like, would he do that? Would he, would he have taken a picture at the wedding feast in Cana with the disciples, you know, and been like, like water to wine, baby. That's what we do. When, when, would he post a picture walking on the water and, and say something like, who needs a boat when you can do this, right? Like, it raises a good question. What does meekness look like on social media? Because, friends, we have to take these concepts of character that Jesus is giving us and apply them in every area of life, whether it's relationships, conversations with people, social, social media, whatever it is. We have to think, th this meekness is not something I do once in a while. This is a quality of character that I grow in and I live. I follow Jesus in that. I, I was so encouraged by a, a young man named Donovan Brazier. He's a he's a, a track U.S. track athlete on their national team, and this week's been the the uh, World Championships for track. And he he's a, a 800 meter runner, and he was one of the favorites to win the race. And he 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 didn't get out of the qualifying heat. He didn't make it to the finals. And so they interviewed him right right afterward. And the, the, the reporters like, hey, what you know you were expected to win. What what happened out there? And sometimes I think that, that making excuses is a form of promoting ourselves. Like, we don't, we don't want to look bad, so we're going to make an excuse. We don't, we don't want to look. And, and he said, he said I, I didn't get it done. He said, the, the guys that, that, that qualified in the final, he said, they worked harder, they, they, they prepared better, and, and I just did not get it done. And, and the reporter says, well, are you, are you okay physically? And he said, yeah, yeah. I just, I didn't, I'm looking forward to the fall. I'm looking forward to next year and, and whatever. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to get back to that place. The, the other guys got there. I, I should have got there. And then the reporter knew something and he said, he knew about an injury and he said, well, are you having surgery coming up? He said, yeah, next week I'm having surgery. He said, but that, that has nothing to do with it. I just didn't get it done. And I thought, thank you for, for some meekness there, not blaming something for the reason you didn't perform well and owning it. And I thought to myself, how often do I do that, make excuses for not doing very well and what I'm supposed to do? Last night, I didn't feel like I preached very well. So, you know, make excuses like, well, I've been out of town or, you know, work's been, staff's been really busy and I've had a lot to do during the week and I, I just didn't have the time to prepare. So that's why the sermon sucked, right? No, it's like, I, need, I needed to do better. I needed to find the time. I, I needed to prepare better. I needed to be more disciplined. In my, I needed to find a way to get it done, and I, I didn't do that. How, how often do you do that? You make excuses as for why you didn't perform instead of just owning it and saying, you know what, I just need to be better. I, I think that's part of, of boasting about who we are, is trying to you know, always make ourselves look good instead of being realistic 
about life situations. So, so our sinful nature kind of leads us to, to boast about our, our accomplishments. Our sinful nature also leads us to abuse our power and our position and our authority. Our sinful nature leads us to abuse our power and our position and our authority. I, I don't know if you've noticed or not in, in our nation, but we are in a leadership crisis. It's a crisis of character. And it seems that every day a leader is uh, getting exposed for abusing power, whether it's sexual harassment in the workplace, whether it's financial, insider trading, whether it's just feeling like they can live above the law. There's this crisis. But friends, we don't have to look outside of the church to see a leadership crisis. We don't have to look outside the church to see abuses of power. It's happening all throughout the church. Guys that I have really looked up to recently, guys like Bill Hybels and James McDonald and Ravi, Ravi Zacharias and, and uh, um, who am I missing? Anyways, uh, who? James McDonald, Bill Hybels, uh, yeah, Mark Driscoll, Mark Driscoll, Ravi Zacharias. Guys that had significant positions of ministry have recently been fired for abuse of power, bullying people on their staff, uh, you know, sexual sin, all kinds of other things in life. And, and, and that's not meekness. When, when you leverage your power to take advantage of people, that's not meekness. And so we look at Christ. And the Bible says when Jesus stepped out of heaven and took on the, the form of a man, it said that he laid aside his power. It says he laid aside his privilege. It said he laid aside his provision, his position. And Jesus said the, the, the leaders in the world, they lord it over those who follow them. They, they take advantage. They oppress. He said, not, not so in my kingdom. In my kingdom, if you want to be the greatest, you're the servant of all. Amen. Somehow we have to understand this concept of meekness. And, and not abuse power because that's what our flesh wants us to do. Whether it's as a husband or a wife or a parent, we can abuse our power in the workplace, at school, wherever it is. And meekness says, I'm, I'm a servant. I can't use this position to get what I want. I have to use this position to leverage good and serve others in my life. Well, the third thing is that our, our sinful nature wants to lead us to, to uh, retaliate. To retaliate. To retaliate when people hurt us or when people mistreat us. See, meekness means to control your anger. It means to respond mildly and gently, even if you're not treated that way. The person that's meek understands two things about God. Number one, God will judge or God will bring justice to the person that hurt me. I don't have to do that. And number two, God will heal the injury that they caused me. Therefore, I am free to forgive. Therefore, I am free to let it go. I don't have to hold on to offenses. In meekness, I have the power to let that go and trust God with that. And, and Jesus simply modeled that for us. Jesus, would, you, you may have been horrifically abused in some way in your life. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. Jesus was abused more. Jesus was the creator of humanity. And humanity spit in his face. Humanity hung him on a cross and crucified him naked. Humanity whipped him and beat him. Humanity, the Jewish leaders falsely accused him. He was without sin, but they accused him of sin. Hung him on a cross because of sin. Put a crown of thorns on his head because of sin. 
Jesus was abused more than any of us will ever be abused. And Jesus hung on the cross and refused to retaliate. He could have taken himself off of the cross. He could have brought lightning and judgment to come down on them for mistreating him. Instead, Jesus walked in meekness on the cross. He hung on the cross. He said, Father, do what? Forgive them. I let them go. I'm trusting you with their lives. Forgive them because they don't know what they do. And the meek person has the power to overcome pride and the need to retaliate in life. Um, the fourth thing that, uh, that our sinful nature wants us to do is to, is to condemn other people for their sin. To condemn other people for their sin. To, to place ourselves in the place of their judge. To essentially say, I'm more spiritual than you. I'm morally better than you. I, I have more moral excellence. So I'm in a position to judge you, right? The, 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 the meek person recognizes that they are just as sinful as everybody else. I, I don't sit in a position of judge. Only, only God is the judge. And so there, 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 are, there are people in the church that want to, to point out certain sins and say that those sins are worse than others. Homosexuality, whatever sin you want to, to pull out and say, well, that, that's, that's the worst sin. And so they condemn that community for that. My response to that is, okay, can, can we condemn you then? Or do you condemn yourself for committing adultery in your heart? Can we, can we condemn you or do you condemn yourself for drinking too much? Do you condemn yourself because you love money more than you love God? Do you condemn yourself because you lie and you cheat and you're dishonest with people? Do you condemn yourself because you're greedy? Do you condemn yourself because you, you, you walk in idolatry? Do, do, you, do you condemn yourself? Because the, the meek person, remember the order of these beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm spiritually bankrupt and I desperately need God. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Wretched man, wretched woman that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? The, the, the meek person understands they are poor in spirit. The meek person understands that they are as sinful as everyone else. And therefore, they, they don't cast judgment. They don't condemn. They don't sit in that seat of authority over other people's lives. But they recognize we are sinners and we need grace. Amen? Let's don't pick one sin out and elevate it above another and, and then put ourselves in a place of self-righteousness. Like, like we're morally better because we only get drunk and we only cuss and we are only dishonest, but we don't sin sexually. Like where, where did that come from? It's not in scripture. When Paul talks about sexual sins, he puts it in a big list of all the other sins. He doesn't separate them out because sin, all sin, is disgusting to God. Amen? And we need to recognize that and be, be willing to extend grace to other people. The Jewish leaders brought a woman to Jesus who had been caught in the very act of adultery. And they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, here's what the law says. The law says we stone, we kill someone that does that. What do you say we should do? Jesus took a moment, says he wrote down in the dirt. And, and then he says, I tell you what, those of you that don't have sin, you can throw the first stone. Those of you that are, that are without sin, you can cast the first stone. It says one by one, they dropped the stones and walked away because meek people don't cast stones 
meek people are honest about their own sinfulness, and, and they worry about overcoming the own, the, the own, their own sin and not the sin, and they're not consumed with the sin of other people. They let God sort it out in people's lives. All right, so what's the reward? What's the blessing for meekness? As we choose to follow Christ in meekness, what's the reward? Well, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What in the world does that mean? They will inherit the earth. Most scholars believe that that, that word earth it can be replaced by the word land. And in, Israel was promised a land, a, a geographical land. Because of sin in the Old Testament, they lost that land. They were brought back in 1948 and reestablished as a nation, but they, they, they didn't get all of that land back. And so the, the day is coming when the Messiah reigns and rules, when Jesus Christ returns and reigns from the throne of David in Jerusalem, that all of that land will be restored for God's people. He will, he will reign and rule physically in a physical kingdom in Israel. So, so there's this future sense of blessing when God's people inherit the land or the earth. Well, that speaks of his kingdom. So, so as we walk in our, in, in, with Christ in this life, there's this promise that we will, we will be part of his kingdom when that comes. But remember, the kingdom of God is both a future reality and a present reality. So there are blessings of the kingdom that come to us now. So what are the blessings of walking in meekness? What are the kingdom or spiritual blessings that we receive as a result of of walking in humility or walking in meekness? One of those is promotion. Promotion. Luke chapter 14, verses 8 to 11 says this. Jesus tells this little parable, this little story, And then he explains it. He says, whenever you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor because someone more distinguished than you might have been invited by the host. And the one who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then in disgrace, you will proceed to occupy the last place. Are you following? Table, uh, head table, table that's set aside for honorable people. And you go and sit there. And the host said, no, nah, it wasn't for you. So you, you go in the back with all the common folk, and I've got this reserved for someone else. But whenever you are invited, go and take the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he will say, hey, friend, move up higher uh, to this place. Th- then you will have honor in the sight of all who are dining at the table with you. And Jesus explains the parable by saying, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If you are constantly exalting yourself, God will humble you. If you are humbling yourself, God will exalt you. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, says basically the same thing. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, God will lift you up in honor. Take your place, promote yourself, go to the front of the table, you'll get moved back. Take your place in the back, Choose to humble yourself, and there's a good chance that God will lift you up, that God will promote you. And I think the promotion has to do with God bestowing greater honor and greater influence in our lives. And so one of the things, that, that, the practical things that, that I deal with is, you know, people will, will say, oh, Jeff, you know, you know, great job with the church, and you're leading, the church has grown, and they, they want to somehow give me credit for that. And I won't let them. I just deflect it. And I take a seat at the back and I say to them, isn't God good? Like God has blessed this church way more than we deserve. What a privilege to be a part of what God's doing. Do you see the difference? Hey, thanks. I know I've worked really hard uh, to get us to this point. 
Now, I'm going to sit at the back. And if God wants to move me to the front, if God wants to increase the honor or the influence in my life, I'll let him. But I'm not going to go sit in the front and say, yeah, I, I pretty much did this. What about you in your life? Are you taking credit for things that God deserves the credit for? Are, are, you, are you continually sitting in the back and letting God give more honor or more influence in your life? See, God wants to promote. God wants to lift up. But he, he puts down the proud and he lifts up the meek. He lifts up the humble. So walk in that, in that spirit of humility, that spirit of meekness in your life and let God lift you up. Not only is one of the rewards promotion, but one of the rewards is transformation. Transformation, change. And so in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That word gentleness is the word meekness. Same word that Jesus uses. And self-control. There is no law against these things. So when we, when we choose meekness, God chooses to transform our hearts. When we choose to humble ourselves, God chooses to work deep character in our lives. See, God transforms us by the work of the Holy Spirit, but you have to make a choice. You have to choose to humble yourself. You have to choose to walk in meekness. And when you do, the Holy Spirit works this deep work of character in your life. Romans chapter 12 Verses 1 and 2 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole self, as a living sacrifice. Put yourself on the altar and be willing to die. Be willing to die to pride. Be willing to die to your selfish nature. Be, be willing to die to your own sinful desires. Put yourself on the altar, which is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be like the world. Don't be like leaders in the world. Don't be like people who are always promoting themselves and exalting themselves and pushing themselves to the front and telling everybody how great you are. Don't be conformed to the spirit of the world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, God wants to do a deep work of character in your life, and he will transform you by the Holy Spirit if you continue to yield to meekness in your heart. So, so one of the benefits of meekness is promotion. God will exalt those who humble themselves. One of them is transformation. God will change your heart if you humble yourself. The Holy Spirit will do that work. And the third thing is restoration. Restoration. God wants to restore in our lives what sin has destroyed. God wants to restore what sin has destroyed. Joel chapter 2. Let me give you a little background before we read this text. Uh, Joel, in Joel, during that period of time, uh, Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, was disobeying God in idolatry and rebellion against God. And God had been warning them that if they don't change, they're going to lose their land and they're going to go into captivity. They didn't heed God's warning. So God brought this, the, these locusts into their land and they completely devoured all of the crops. And Joel is going to compare that to in a few years, uh, Assyria is going to come and totally wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel. Like locusts coming in and devouring the land, uh, Assyria is going to come in and wipe you out and take you into captivity. So here's what he says. The Lord says, I will give you back or restore what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent this great destroying army 
against you. Once again, you will, you will have all the food you want and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will, will my people be disgraced. He was talking about this overtaking by Assyria and Israel losing their land, going into captivity, losing their identity among the nations. And he says that he's promising that, that if you humble yourself, God will restore what the locust took. God will restore what your sin destroyed. And I believe the promise of God is that as, as we humble ourselves, that God wants to restore the things in our life that sin has destroyed. You know, sin destroys things in our life, if you haven't noticed that. And I, I, if you're taking notes, I wrote a few things down. Uh, one of those is uh, he destroys our honor, our reputation. Suddenly, you know, our, our life is filled with shame because of this thing that we did. Uh, joy gets stolen by sin. Uh, you begin to grieve and mourn over your sin. Uh, your calling, your sense of mission and purpose in God can get taken away because of sin. And, and your identity, uh, who you are, uh, how you see yourself gets changed because of sin. Suddenly, that sin can begin to uh, be your identity. I'm an adulterer, I'm a thief, I'm whatever, instead of you recognizing that your identity is in Christ. And so Jesus is saying, or, or, or I think in Joel, God is saying that he wants to restore what sin has destroyed. What has sin destroyed in your life? What has sin robbed you of? I, I think the, the, the principle is as we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. God will promote us. God will transform us. And God will begin to restore our lives if you walk in, in meekness. So this morning, God wants to do those things. God wants you to walk in the spirit of Christ and in the spirit of, of meekness and the spirit of humility. But here's the problem, like my homeless friend. Like my homeless friend that found that stealing was so deeply ingrained in his character that it was difficult to break that habit. You and I, if we're honest, are going to find that pride is so deeply rooted in our character that it's difficult to give that up and walk in humility. And my challenge to you is to take serious the teaching of Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 5, blessed are, those, are the meek for they will inherit the kingdom blessings of promotion and transformation and restoration. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for the truth of Scripture and this, this high call to extraordinary character. And the blessings that come to us, the reward for extraordinary character, God, is that you will lift us up, you will exalt us, you will build us up, you will, you will restore the things that sin has taken from our lives, you will transform our hearts and our minds, you will change our character. And so, Lord, I pray this week we would we'd be mindful of this verse. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, friends, before you leave this morning, if you have a prayer need for anything, maybe it's this thing we talked about today, or maybe it's something else, we're going to have some folks up here to pray with you. Don't leave until you come forward to get prayer. God bless you.